0: Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav MavpuckCast. I'm Jason. John's here with me. Much to our dismay, we have hockey to talk about because that did not go anything like what we planned, John.
1: No, we did not think that the 20th episode this season was going to be our season finale on the MavpuckCast. We thought that this was going to be a preview of our trip to the NCHC frozen Faceoff, the first time ever that the Mavs got there. But, uh, but the hockey gods were not aligned with our thinking, and uh, certainly it was uh, quite the series. Uh, North Dakota uh, came into town for the first round of the NCHC playoffs. We had just played them the week before. Jason and I, it feels like we've been talking <laughs> a lot about North Dakota lately on this podcast and uh jolene asked if we were going to give our uh nchc uh semi and final predictions and i said no i don't want to talk about north dakota any more than <laughs> we absolutely <I'm> have. <laughs> on this podcast we are here to talk about UNO. uh we went into that friday night game wondering if we would get sophomore ty mueller back he had gotten injured in the saint cloud series he did not play up at north dakota the week before the playoffs started Mueller was back in the lineup, uh, Jimmy Glenn, who was out in the Saturday night game uh, up at North Dakota, he was back in the lineup, but senior captain Nolan Sullivan was out uh, for most of this weekend with an injury that, uh, that he sustained in that North Dakota series. Jason, what did you think about this series going in?
0: Well, uh, We talked about it last week on the, you know, the preview and stuff. Like, these are two really evenly matched teams. Uh, we saw on on Twitter right before the game that North Dakota was getting a guy back that hadn't played, I think, all season or, or at least the vast majority of the season. Uh, so that was going to be a boost for them. Um, you know, I, I think it was good that in the arena they played the – and they, they tweeted this out the interview with Tyler Weisk uh, before the game. And he talks about how important that Friday game is uh, to get out and, and not be playing from behind to have, you know, just a little bit of breathing room at least. And so I really felt like the, you know, the guys knew the importance of that game. And through the first period, I thought it's going to be a tough sled. This is, this is a North Dakota team that knows that they're, only hope to extend their season is to keep winning and they were playing like it and there were times where we had some some good offensive possessions in that first period and there was a lot of times where we got hemmed into our own zone and but lakosi was playing lights out and so you thought hey he always gives us a chance to win
1: Absolutely right. It was scoreless in that first period. And as you mentioned, there were a lot of times that it seemed like we got hemmed into our defensive zone. There were a number of instances this weekend where we had trouble moving the puck up the ice. And that, that became kind of a story across the three games played this weekend. Coming into this game, the first team to score had won 23 of the last 25 contests. So, uh, so we knew that this was going to be a Nip-Tuck series in that first period, Miller had a five minute spearing penalty, Jason. Uh, a lot of people were talking about that online, but uh, but do you believe that the five minute call was the right call?
0: I mean, live, I didn't see it. I don't know where you, like, I was watching the play. Uh, yeah. Well, Wees had the puck along the boards and he tried the little, uh, the bank pass up to Tyconic and it got past Tyconic. And so I was watching kind of that reset and didn't see, you know, what happened right in front of the net uh we quickly pulled up our phones because luckily for a change we've got midco doing the the broadcast and so we've got a you know a, a decent crew out there that showed the replays so we were able to catch that right away i mean once i saw the replay on on my phone on TV, it was yeah he's done i told everyone around us i'm like don't yep yeah, like i don't i don't care how long this takes i'm telling you they're coming out of that box and they're saying he's gone because it, it. I don't think he meant to do it, but it was a spearing penalty.
1: Yeah, he was uh, He was wearing a suit and tie for the rest of that game. Uh, tough break for UNO. Matt Miller is a key part uh, of our offensive success this season. Uh, but 429 into the second period, uh, defenseman Jacob Gavin gets the scoring started for UNO. Uh, it was shot through traffic from the blue line. It was set up by a tape-to-tape pass from... Uh, Davis Pennington, uh, the defensemen came up big this weekend, Jason.
0: We relied really heavily on them on both ends of the ice. And, you know, you can, there are teams out there that can, can do well like that. I will say that coming out of that game, uh, you haven't talked about the, the the second goal yet, but both of our goals coming from defensemen, that's, you know, that was actually a concern for me for the rest of the weekend because I really felt like our, our, our forward line struggled. There wasn't a lot of chemistry. There wasn't a lot of flow. There was a lot of missed opportunities, missed passes. Um, just, it, you know, it seemed like guys were on an island trying to do too much by themselves. And, you know, we talked about at the very beginning of the season, my number one concern with this team coming into the season, being as young as they were, was where is the offense coming from? And this was the type of game that I expected all season where we just rely completely on our defense to prevent goals as well as provide that offensive shift. So it's great that, that they get involved, but you're just, you're not going to beat a team like North Dakota relying on point shots. There's just too much that that can happen. And honestly, Saturday North Dakota made the adjustments they needed to, they played a tighter box that made it harder for defensemen to get pucks through. And, you know, it's, it's a history thing it's it's what we know as like from a coaching standpoint if you're getting beat that way you know what you need to do to offset that and say all right let's see if you can beat me some other way
1: great analysis Jason uh, as always and as you mentioned Pennington gets the next goal about two and a half minutes uh, after that goal by a uh, Jacob Gavin. Pennington. Uh, pennington uh uh, gets the goal gaven and bolson had the assists on that puts uno up two to nothing and uno held that two to nothing lead throughout nearly all of that uh all of that third period but with 75 seconds left in the game uh north dakota's reese gaber ends up getting a goal on uno uh kind of a frustrating thing for uno fans because we would love for simon to get the shutout but uh but UNO goes on to win the game two to one. Overall thoughts on that game on Friday night?
0: There's a few things I'd point out. One, Pennington's goal, uh, you know, yeah, it comes from a defenseman, but I want to like Bolson's pressure there has been his play. We've talked about it in, in past episodes. Like he is that that force that we need. That kid's just he's always going. He's always driving. You know, and I really felt like that goal was just a product of of his effort uh, and not giving up on the play. Um, you know, making a, f- a good first pass, getting Gavin involved, getting the puck back up. That pressure and relief really does North Dakota have a problem, and so it was. You know, it, I, I really appreciate that. The North Dakota goal is the hard one. I think going into Saturday, it's an entirely different thing. If North Dakota is sitting there going, we just spent 60 minutes and we couldn't find an answer to this goaltender. Because you're gonna start trying more things. But the fact that they found a way to get one past them, it at least give, gave them a building block to say, Okay, so we know this is working, this is getting past their D, you know, we're gonna do this to try to, you know, maximize those types of opportunities. Um, so it was really unfortunate that, that that went in and I think that carries over to Saturday more than more than casual fans probably think.
1: It it was just one of those little things. It, It gave them a little bit of a lift right there at the end of the game. And, you know, they had a number of opportunities through the game. It would have been great to shut them out. But again, this is hockey, and this is why we play the games. So we go into Saturday night. Fans are hopeful because we got the win on Friday night. I will tell you, Jason, that there were a lot of mutual friends that you and I have, grown men, who are saying if UNO finds a way to win tonight, I might cry. I got to tell you, I was like, wow, this is just fans are just really emotional about this series. Uh, So midway through the first period uh, on Saturday, uh, freshman forward Jackson Blake for North Dakota uh, puts the Fighting Hawks up one to nothing. But a couple minutes later, freshman defenseman uh, Joe LeMay for UNO ties it up. Uh, He shot the puck in from... From way out, kind of like Gavin the night before. He shot it from the uh, First National Bank logo out by the blue line. Ties things up. He gets Omaha's first power play goal against North Dakota this season. Uh, Assist from Gavin and Bremer. What did you think of uh, LeMay's goal? And what did you think of UNO's position at that point, Jason?
0: Well, I was worried because I thought we were struggling going into that conference. You know, it it came at a good time, but even our power play was struggling. And you know, we we've talked about the the you know 04 going into Friday. We were o four on Friday, so going into this game, we still hadn't solved North Dakota's penalty kill. So yeah, going into the power play, I wasn't you know wasn't very confident. I didn't think our our, our first setup was very good. Um, you know, we still struggle with zone entries on on that man advantage, but that low to high, uh, and then that, you know, Bremer goes up to, was it, I think it was Gavin again, and Gavin goes over to LeMay and that's the, that's that low to high movement that works really well on the power play, especially for us with, with guys like LeMay back there that can shoot. I mean, just set them up for it. Like you gotta, you gotta pressure everything down, get the defense to collapse a little bit and then release it up to him and and it works you know and it was great to get it i was still worried though like i still was looking at going like it's a power play goal that takes a monkey off our back but we got a long way to go because north dakota is clearly in this to be where you know we need a we need a game three on sunday and i just i was just really concerned about our ability to come like i just didn't think we were gonna we're gonna be able to come back from anything if we if we let them have the next one in and You know, it was was a really tight second period, and North Dakota gets that one late. and I, I think that really hurt our spirits going into the locker room.
1: North Dakota retakes the lead with a power play goal from Tyler Clevin. And as you mentioned, tough to be down. Two to one, especially with a, a late goal in the period like that. Clevin's goal turns out to be the game winner with about a minute left in regulation. UNO gives up an empty netter to North Dakota's uh, Dylan James, who we talked about a lot last week on the podcast. North Dakota ends up winning the game three to one. So it's tied one to one. This was a scenario that I predicted on the podcast. You and I both thought last week when we gave our predictions that this would go. Three games. We were hopeful uh, that UNO would get the W on Sunday in that rubber match. And early on, it looked like that might happen. Uh, the team was back in their uh, alternate gray jerseys, which uh, have proven to be successful for them. Jason and I are superstitious. So, uh, you know, whatever clothing they wear that they have success in, we want them to wear that all the time. But 14 uh, 14 into the first period, Jimmy Glenn. Back in the lineup this weekend, uh, gets the scoring started in the game and gets the scoring started for UNO. Pennington did a nice job getting the puck uh, in front of the net for uh, Glenn to put away. It was a beautiful goal. What'd you think of UNO being up one to nothing at that point? I'll tell you what, Jason Baxter Arena, even though it was half full, seemed like it was louder than I've ever heard it before. That UNO cheer was just booming from the fans uh, after that goal by uh, Jimmy Glenn.
0: Well, and even before that, we kill off the five-on-three off, like, two really, like, two terrible calls by the referees. I mean, this is, I have never, this will be my rant for this podcast. I have never seen referees in a decision game three like this get that involved in a game. I mean, you've got to call stuff that are obvious penalties. But these ticky-tack things that are like, you know, the, I don't even think the first one, the guy was holding his stick when he stepped on it. It's like, you, you can't you can not call those 50-50 things in a game like this. Like, let the guys play hockey. And then the guy dives over Wees' stick, and we're going to call that one too, so that North Dakota has a five-on-three. I'm like, are you trying to give them the game? It's very suspicious here what's going on but UNO gets through it in the the, at least our section I mean I really felt the energy up in 216 it was electric up there I felt the entire arena just you know really stand behind the team and say like you guys can do this and I think that energy carries over and that just pushes UNO because some of their best play came after you know in the first those couple minutes after that culminated in, in Glenn getting that goal um so it was it was definitely great. You know, like you had said, the team that scores first typically wins. So that's a good position to be in. But I also looked at it going, we are not playing well at all. And we're going to need some help to hold on to that.
1: As Jason mentioned, the officiating uh, in the Sunday game had the uh, conspiracy theories swirling. Black helicopters were flying over Baxter Arena at that point. Fans are still talking about it. Uh, and it's been uh, a couple days uh, since <laughs> it's been a couple days since that game took place, Jason, but uh, the Mavs leave the first period up, one to nothing, but 236 into the second. North Dakota's Jake Schmaltz ties the game up one to nothing on a power play goal. Uh, certainly, we knew at that point, uh, and we suspected throughout uh, most of this game that it was going to be a dog fight. Um, but twelve oh four into the second, Bird puts Omaha up two to one uh, with a shot from the slot. It was a great pass from Proctor to set that up. What did you think about UNO being up two to one at that point? It's
0: you know it sucks giving up the power play goal, but you kind of figured as many as we were giving them. Well, as many as the refs were giving them you know, ultimately one of those is going to end up. So, you know, it sucks, but it was tied. You know, I, I was like, eh, we'll take it. You know, we're still one, one, you know, hopefully that'll light a fire under him and we'll find a way. Uh, you know, I really liked Berg scoring. I thought that was a great play. Uh, his move to the middle in that shot. We need him to, we need him to shoot more, you know, this team, like he was one of the ones we talked about at the beginning of the season that uh, his play, his offensive ability was really going to drive this team. And so, in a decision game like this, to have him step up and get a goal, that's a good sign for UNO. Uh, the unfortunate thing is late in the period, UNO with, what, like 30 seconds left gives up a shorthanded goal. And, I mean, there's so many things that deflate about that. And I've talked to a number of people, and we like, that really was the turning point in that game because, one, you, you never want to give up a goal late. That's the, you know, like you're going to the locker room thinking we're up 2-1, and now you're going in, we're 2-2. What's what? Like where did this go sideways, right? Um, and then two, I mean short-handed goal, like you just can't do that. You have an extra player, you should have two on the puck at all times. Like you just that, that just can't happen, but you know, it did, and and it's unfortunate. And you just kind of hope that going into the third UNO would come out with uh with some energy really quick. I was really open that they come out and really just you know put the pedal through the floorboard and just kind of go all out with the. With North Dakota.
1: Yeah, definitely a tough position for them to be in. You know, I really do think North Dakota tying it up late on that shorthanded goal in the second period changed the complexion of the game and changed the complexion of the third period. Uh, UNO held that two to two tie through a relatively long stretch of the third period. And then. All and then two minutes bit. happens. <laughs> Yeah, with 5.14 left in the third period, North Dakota takes the lead on a goal from Griffin Ness. Um, boy, I, that was it was really heartbreaking because looking back at the video on that, um, it looks like Lakozy just kind of falls down. Uh, we learned later uh, in the postgame presser that uh, apparently his skate got caught in a rut in the crease. Uh, so he goes down, he falls on his butt, and when you look at the play, uh, he really didn't have a chance to stop that shot by Griffin Mess, Jason.
0: Yeah, it was a broken play on so many levels. You know, it, it was a broken play just to get the turnover and get North Dakota into the game, into the zone. So, you know, that right there was just kind of like nerves setting in, and then, you know, Lakosi's out of position, you know, we learned because of the rut, and we got defensemen sliding all over trying to play goaltender and it's just like, Oh, this is not going to, this is not going to turn out well for us. And you know, it doesn't, and you know, it's like, it's unfortunate, but at that point in time, like you got to come together as a team and say, no big deal. We got this. We're going to get it back. We're going to, you know, we're going to pressure, we're going to push. And you know, we've got quite honestly, five minutes isn't like it it's rough, but you still have time to score. Like, you're not out of it. You know, what really hurts is that, like, a minute later and you let another one in and you're just like, well, now now what? Because now you're talking about three minutes meeting
1: two. Within the next couple of minutes, North Dakota scores two more goals. Uh, They score those goals in fairly short order. And as you mentioned, it was almost like when when North Dakota got that uh, go-ahead goal to go up three to two, the team just sort of fell apart emotionally. I, I got the sense, and a lot of us got the sense throughout uh, all three of these games that the team was kind of tired. Uh, I'm sure the injury situation played into that, but uh, yeah, UNO ends up losing the game 5-2. to two. Uh, Not the outcome that we were hoping for, but uh, but I will say this. Jason and I are both big Ted Lasso fans, and one of the things that Ted Lasso says all the time is that you got to be the goldfish you got to have a short memory and move on. So UNO fans, just don't let it get to you. Players, coaches, don't let it get to you either. I will tell you, normally I don't get real high or low on wins and losses. Uh, I've seen lots of great wins over the years with this team, seen lots of horrible losses over the years. It doesn't affect me, but when I watched Coach Gabinette's press conference after the game, man, I got emotional because the guy just – I mean, he looked so emotional and so – worn out and beat down, uh, I know that this was not the outcome the team was hoping for, but uh, but the team exceeded expectations this season, Jason. They were playing with house money uh, throughout the season, so, uh, so it was one of those things. And North Dakota's a team that gets into your head, you know what I'm saying?
0: Right, and I think, you know, the hard part is as fans, as a fan base, is, you know, you you want your team to win and, and and you've seen them win and you've seen them perform well. And, you know, you look at a game and you say, this is just not, you know, this wasn't our best effort or, you know, those, those were just poor mistakes. And, you know, I think what we, we fail to look at is what you said is this team was way, way outperforming what, you know, really everyone expected. Um, and so even though it it ends the way it ends. And we're all a little scarred from, you know, the opportunity that slips through our fingers, you know, in all due respect, like the expectation was that we would be, that this would have happened to us in two games instead of three in Grand Forks, not in Omaha. So there's a lot of stuff that went right for this team and to see the fan base come together, you know, the, the attendance this season, uh, I know they talked about it a lot down the stretch. Uh, we had a we we had a sellout i think we had a couple sellouts i think in there in the last in the last few weeks you know there was great energy during the playoffs um you know it's it's a it's a really motivated fan base these are people that are are committed to to the team and to be a part of that community like it's an honor for me um just to have friends that that support this team and say hey you know we're with you so you know to the players of if on the off chance that any of you actually listened to this uh, you know, like I, I just, I appreciate that, that they put in their effort and they did everything that they did. And, you know, I really think that the majority of the fan base is dis I don't, I don't want to like, I don't know what words I want to use here, but like, we're not happy about the way it ended, but you know, we feel for them and we're so proud of the efforts that they put in and what they were able to accomplish this season. And, you know, hopefully it's a sign of things to come. You know, it, it would be great if next year this team, you know, makes another run at it, you know, and this is a sign that this is a long-term program and not, you know, a bunch of guys who are going to jump ship and just take off for greener pasture somewhere else.
1: As we mentioned, they exceeded expectations. Uh, and as you know, this is the fan community. I love being a part of uh, a big part of my life is following this uh, hockey program, and uh, I love the effort by the players and the coaches this season. We were picked to finish seventh, uh, and that was what was really interesting about this series. You had a team in UNO that had overperformed all season, and you had a team in North Dakota that had underperformed all season, and when those two teams clashed, uh, it created for a very interesting series. Uh, it was a very kind of weird series too uh, for UNO, but that's that's playoff hockey this time of year, so I don't fault the team at all. Uh, a great effort all season long. And like you said, I hope these guys stay together. You know, we've got nine freshmen on the roster this season. Uh, so a very young team, a lot of guys who haven't experienced uh, the grind of uh, college hockey and uh, NCHC play. So they will be better for having gone through this uh this season. And I think they'll all be better for having gone through a playoff series like this, because uh, in many instances, the things that define you and make you better are those failures that you experience. I mean, it would have been great to have the Cinderella story, but as we all know in life, and as we all know in sports, and it's what makes sports so compelling, things don't always go according to plan. So uh, I will point out on a slightly less positive note the Mavs have not won a playoff series in conference play since 2010 don't let it bother you fans don't let it bother you players it you will win a playoff series again one of these days uh the Mavs also went one five and one in seven games against North Dakota this season so they really had our number uh, tough way for UNO to finish the season but a lot of uh, positives a lot of bright spots for the team this season so I've got to ask you Jason Who is your player of the weekend? You got three games uh, worth of action to analyze, to pick that player of the weekend. Who did you like this weekend uh, in the playoff series against North Dakota?
0: There's quite a few guys that were on my list. I don't know about, I don't know your list. I think a lot of people forget. We don't talk about this. We don't, I don't let John know this is who I'm picking or anything. So this is all just off the cuff. So. Um, I've got a list of, I, I think I had six on my list. I was like, it's, it's going to be one of these six, but man, it's really hard to pick between them for me. Like there's, there's the obvious choice and I'm going to kind of steer away from it. And I don't know, maybe you'll pick the obvious choice. What I thought was the obvious choice. Um, I'm going to go further down the list actually. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to call out Brock Rummer. like his energy, uh, you know, he's scrappy. <laughs> that's how I described him when we were getting a beard intermission ones. I'm like, we're going to have to nickname him the mosquito. He's just like annoying as all get out. It seems to teams like, I don't know what about him, what he does or what he says on the ice, but it just, he always seems to be getting under the skin of the other team. And it's not just the, like go out there and, and hit someone or, you know, just go be that, that annoying factor on the ice kind of thing. Like, uh, he had some really good opportunities. Uh, he set up a really good goal. I hope at least that this was the year that's kind of the the kickoff for him. And I expect better, bigger and better things from him next season.
1: Anytime things get chippy, it seems like Brock Bremer's there, which I absolutely love. The smallest guy on the team. <laughs> He's right in there wanting to mix it up with these uh, big forwards and big defensemen that we play uh, in the NCHC. So, yeah. One of my favorite players, uh, it was an honor to be able to get uh, his jersey uh, for Military Appreciation Weekend to be able to win the, uh, win the auction for that. So, uh, yeah, one of our favorite players, uh, uh, as we mentioned before, Jason and I got to see him uh, before he came to play uh, at UNO when he was with the Muskegon Lumberjacks. They came down to Omaha. And, uh, yeah, we were really impressed with him then. So yeah, an exciting player. I always like Jason, how you pick guys who are off the beaten path, but I'm going to go with defenseman Davis Pennington, Bridget's favorite player. He had his first goal of the season, which to me was just crazy. I just assumed that he had uh, gotten a goal this season. Uh, we've got a lot of great offensive defensemen, uh, he has one goal and 15 assists this season. Uh, a really uh, great player. Always plays out there with a lot of hearts. And I thought he was great all weekend long, Jason.
0: Good pick. I think we need to do some honorable mentions after that, though. Because I, I really like my list included uh, Lacozzi and Gavin too, because I thought they had... I don't want anyone thinking that Lacozzi was the reason why we lost any of those three games. Um, you know, he was solid for us through the stretch and you know there was some question about his health kind of going into saturday's game um something happened in friday's game uh, and so yeah to see him play through that and give the performance that he did saturday and sunday uh kudos to him and then you know being a freshman that's a bright spot for you i know in the future
1: oh uh, and you mentioned jacob gave and had uh, a goal and two assists on the weekend uh one of our uh one of our Quebec defensemen along with uh, Joe LeMay, uh, who both have known each other since they were uh, kids playing in Quebec. Great weekend for a lot of players. And as you mentioned, Simon had a terrific weekend. He really kept us in those games, even though Jason and I thought they should start Kuharski. And we mentioned that on last weekend's episode, Jason and I just like to be uh, just like to be a little contrary with our picks, but uh, Simon has really come into his own this se- season. So we, uh, we are expecting big things from him uh, coming up the next couple of years. But for our season finale, we've got to have a couple of things you missed at Baxter Arena. And because it was a playoff series, there wasn't a lot of new new wrinkles that they, uh, that they threw into the games this weekend. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned on the podcast that Bridget and I were trying to see this tuba parade that we'd been hearing about the tubas parade around the concourse and Bridget and I were looking for the tuba parade at the wrong time. We thought it happened before the game, but it happens during the second intermission. Yeah. And we, we just assumed that they would parade behind our seats they go the opposite side. They go behind the club seats toward the uh, Lawler's uh, merchandise booth. Uh, but we were very excited. Uh, I think it's called the Tuba Parade. I think that's what the Tubas call it on their official Twitter account. Bridget calls it Tubas on Parade, like Elephants on Parade. So uh, the Maverick Maniacs accompany them from the student section uh, as they head toward the Lawler's booth. Uh, They did Hey Baby, and they played the fight song. So it was a lot of fun to see. Jason, have you seen the Tuba Parade?
0: They did it, what, three seasons ago? I haven't seen it this season.
1: Apparently, they did it a few seasons ago. So thankfully, Bridget decided to follow the Tuba Parade and get some footage of this. So if you're watching on YouTube, everybody can now experience the Tuba Parade. So I'm glad we uh, got to see that before. Um, that was on Friday night that we saw it. We don't know if they did it Saturday night. They did not do it on Sunday night. So maybe maybe that's the reason we lost the game. Tubas, you gotta you gotta keep the tradition up every game during second intermission. So uh, so that was a lot of fun. Glad we got to see that. And then the second things you missed at Baxter Arena, and I missed this a couple of weeks ago when UNO was playing the St. Cloud series. And the seat that I normally sit in, seat two, is broken. The spring has broken in the seat. Apparently, all of you noticed this because you're like, oh, yeah, we noticed that last week uh, during the St. Cloud series. I sat in seat one, which was the seat my dad sat in for many years because it's easier for me to get clips of the game from seat one. Just the angles work a little bit better from there. So I didn't know my seat was broken until Friday night of this. North Dakota playoff series Jason, we've had those seats since uh, since we started watching uh, started watching and attending games at Baxter Arena when it opened back uh, in the fall of 2015. I will just say because it was broken going into that St Cloud series a couple of weeks ago, the Mavs overall went two and five with my seat broken at Baxter Arena because earlier in the season that seat was not broken. Jason, what do you think of my broken seat? What are your thoughts? on my seat being broken.
0: I'm superstitious, but even you might be stretching a little far on that one.
1: <laughs> I mainly just had to bring this up because we didn't have a lot of things you missed uh, for this week. Staff within the UNO Athletic Department watches this podcast, so uh, so please get my seat fixed before next season. Before next just, season. You got, just... a, you got a little bit of time to figure it out. <laughs> I did not want to mention it before the playoffs because I was worried it would become one of those situations where they would remove the seat and then there'll just be a blank hole there. And I will tell you, my <laughs> nephew Blaze and my uh, my niece Scotland, uh, they were both fighting over that chair because they both want the broken seat. So I, who knows? <laughs> kids kids uh, okay. these days, kids these days, I don't get it, Jason. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanna touch on, and uh, these will be announced after we do this podcast, NCHC award nominees for UNO. No Omahans made the uh, all-NCHC first team or all-NCHC second teams, but uh, there were a couple of honorable mentions from UNO forward Jack Randall, who had a great season for the Mavs, uh, and Simon Lacosi. Uh, LeMay and Gavin were both named to the all-rookie team, which I thought was a great honor for uh, two of our freshman defensemen. They have been terrific this season um, the individual awards will be announced at the nchc awards ceremony right before the nchc frozen face-off starts mike gabinet was uh, nominated for the herb brooks coach of the year i think i made a pretty compelling case on twitter why he should be the winner of that award uh du's uh, david carl and uh western michigan's pat first are the other nominees Kirby Proctor was nominated for Senior Scholar Athlete of the Year Award, which is voted on by the conference's faculty athletics representatives. Uh, Simon was nominated for Goaltender of the Year, which I think we both would agree is a well-deserved honor. Uh, Victor Mancini is nominated for Defensive Defenseman of the Year, Jason. And Nolan Sullivan is nominated for Defensive Forward of the Year. I don't know if Mav Puck is nominated for NCHC Fan Site of the Year or if the Mav Puck Cast is up for NCHC Podcast of the Year, Jason. I'm just joking. They don't actually do those awards, but they should do those awards because yeah. I think we would clean up, Jason. So
0: uh, wipe the floor with our <laughs> lack of competition. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll
1: we'll take any honors any way we can get them, Jason. What do you think of our? uh, individual award nominees.
0: Yeah. I'm not a big, I'm not a big individual award kind of guy. Like I'm happy for the guys. I commend them because they certainly deserve it. It's just for me, I'm more of a team guy. I, I would be surprised. There's certain players on the team and stuff that I know well enough to say like on the list, they wouldn't really care They're, You know, we lost to North Dakota and that's, that's probably all they're thinking about right now. So, um, I'm with you and your your Twitter rant. How you would vote against Gabnett as coach of the year this year? You know, taking a team that was expected to be one of the worst in the conference and to be top three is you know quite impressive. Uh, I think Western lost it when they got swept by CC in the playoffs. I think it's hard to it's hard to win a coach of the year when when that happens to you and you know, Denver's Denver, like it's easy to win when you have the, the puzzle pieces that Denver has. Um, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion by any stretch, but you know, I look at what Gabnett done with this team and and he, he made, uh, he made these guys overperform. It seemed like almost every night. Uh, and so that's, to me, I think he deserves that one. That's, that's the one I really hope to see come through for us.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. You know, you look at the team this season, nine freshmen on the roster picked to finish seventh in the conference race. They lost a uh, longtime assistant, uh, paul gerard to cancer during the season i know that that was tough on the players the other factor is um when you look at uh, the stat sheet from last season the 2021-22 season we lost four of our top five point producers that were on that team including uh including taylor ward who uh was uh, absolutely one of our top offensive threats uh during his time at uno so uh So yeah, it was, it was tough to lose those places. It was also tough to lose a a veteran goaltender like Isaiah Sipil. We, the only returning goaltender we had this season was Jacob Zab, who has not played, uh, or who had not played a minute, uh, of collegiate hockey during his career here. So we had two new goaltenders, freshman in Lacosi, a uh, transfer in Kuharski. So we definitely think coach Gabinette did a great job this season. And like you mentioned, I'm sure the players and the coaches would much rather have won uh, that playoff series against North Dakota than uh than win any of these honors. But uh, I thought we should mention it, and we will uh, definitely be uh, sharing the winners uh, of these uh, awards when they are announced on uh, Mavpuck.com and on the Mavpuck Twitter account and on the Mavpuck Facebook page. So as always, be sure to follow those. Uh, But speaking of next season, Jason, we are unveiling a new segment called Will They Stay or Will They they Go? go? Yeah, I'm going to put you
0: on the spot. Okay. So, stay or go, we got to talk about the goaltenders.
1: Yep. Kuharski. This is one that we have debated the entire season. And I even asked Coach Gabinette about this at the dinner with the Mavs. It's like he was honored on senior night, right, Jason? But Correct. if you look, uh, 2019-20 season, he was at Providence, but he didn't play any games. Then he played two seasons at American International – Right. And then he played one season for us. So, according to Elite Prospects, he's played three seasons collegiately. Plus, he gets the COVID season. I've been confused all season. And so have fans. Fans just assume he was coming in for one season and then he's going to move on. And I'll tell you what, if Jason and I got to go to the midweek press conferences, this is the kind of stuff that we would ask because we're interested about it. We would not, it, we're not going to ask, you know, weird or odd questions. This is the kind of stuff we want to know. Because if <laughs> if this was Husker football, we would know. I'm just my gut instinct says he's not coming back next season. I think they'll bring in another goaltender. What do you think?
0: Well I think you're gonna hate me for this. I set you up on that one. Because <laughs> five minutes ago the Chicago Wolves just tweeted that they've signed goaltender Jacob Koharski from Omaha hockey to an ATO so your prediction is already
1: correct he is leaving all right well so speaking of (laughs) oh right John hates me now sorry yeah right now there's a lot of doubt as to whether jason's going to get to stay or jason's going to get to go for not sharing that information (laughs) (laughs) so thanks for the
0: (laughs) thanks for the setup yeah sorry john
1: all right thanks for the so we got
0: breaking news on the podcast for once for once, we get to talk about something that has happened, and not post this. Going well, if only we had waited a day to record the podcast.
1: Boy, yeah, I'm glad that that came in because that always happens. Like right after we get it recorded, we'll find out some piece of news. So I'm glad you found that out. As you know, I hate surprises, and I think <laughs> you were just doing this because you know that this is the kind of stuff that gets my blood up. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know if Jason's going to get to stay or go at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. He
0: he. Gets, Comment in the <laughs> put your put your opinion in the comments. Should I should I leave or should I stay?
1: <laughs> so Kuharski's going pro. That was the vibe that we kind of got the past yeah. several weeks. I kind of wondered if that's why we were seeing Simon and Net most of the time. You know the other players on the team the coaches they get wind of this stuff you know as fans you start to get a vibe so uh so he had eligibility left as i pointed out moments ago but uh jason with some breaking news jason with the scoop here well done for checking that out jason we know tyconic weiss and pavanka are leaving their eligibility is expired uh jason do you think uh Any of those three will uh, end up playing pro. I mean, I'm sure that they, you know, they could play in the ECHL if they wanted to. Do you think any of them will go pro here uh, in the next uh, week or two?
0: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they get, like, Kowarski's getting an ATO. If any of them actually signs a contract, it's going to be Weiss, would be my opinion. He's got the best opportunity, uh, just with, you know, being a draft pick in the past and you know, having those kind of connections, being to NHL training camps, you know, he just he has an experience that that, that the other guys don't. Um, but to be honest, like my expectation is is that a lot of the guys that we might lose their their decisions are going to be, do I go, you know, try to make a run of it from in in Europe and and kind of get my start and, and start building my skill set there. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions with the guys that are out there of you know, Randall had like Randall, he had a great season this year. Can he do it again? Right. Like you can't build a career on one 30 game season. So can he handle the grind An 82 game grind? Can he produce when, you know, the talents better? I'd like, like, as a fan, I say he can, but you know, those are the questions that have to get answered. And that's the thing with, you know, we're not a Denver, North Dakota. We don't have a lot of NHL draft picks. High, you know, high round NHL draft picks coming to Omaha. You know, the guys that come in here need to come in here looking to prove something, uh, to answer the questions that scouts have. We've taught, we talked about Berg this weekend, and we've talked about him this season. You know, he's an Islanders draft pick. The question for him coming in was, can he produce? Can he finish? That was the the. Question mark I heard from you know people that I talked to was that that's what they were looking for out of them and so you know we'll see you know where people go I think I think ATOs are probably what we're going to see the most of with our our guys
1: I think you're right now there are a number of people who have asked on Twitter about. Tyler, who, uh, as we all know, uh, was originally a, a Colorado Avalanche draft pick. Jason, what's the status of him? Because there are a lot of fans who have wondered, you know, he came back for a fifth year. What is the status on Tyler Weiss now? I know you as a, a big Avalanche fan and is a big Tyler Weiss fan I have been following that. Would you like to explain for the fans where Tyler Weiss is at as far as all of that goes?
0: I mean, it's incredibly complicated when you get into to some of that situation. Like, you know, these, the, the players that we have on the team, Berg, uh, Mancini, you know, Karski, the reason why he's got an ATO with the, the Wolves is because it's in the uh, Carolina hurricanes uh, system and stuff. So like, those are the, like a little bit easier in that those teams kind of have the, a say in when and where you go. If they want you or they need you uh, in their AHL program, then you know they're gonna they're gonna push you an offer that you probably won't refuse. You know, Weis was when when he finished up his senior year last year. Uh, you know, he was given an opportunity to come to camp. Um, he did, you know, pretty decent at camp. Um, you know, found a little bit of chemistry here and there. Uh, But ultimately, you know, the team decided that that there were some question marks there. And, you know, he chose not to sign at that point in time and say that I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go try my luck someplace else. And that someplace else happened to be him coming back here. At this point, it's not a done deal with the Avs, but he has the right to talk to other teams. Um, and, And like he can, you know, now that the season is done, he can get an agent. He can start exploring options. Um, in other places, you know, being from North Carolina, I'd be surprised if he's not at least talking to the Hurricanes, uh, a staff, just cause if I were him, I, you know, I'd want to move closer to home and be in that system that maybe, you know, I come through, through there at, at some point or something. Um, I know that, you know, the avalanche are still interested in him, So that's still an opportunity that, that exists for him. But like I said with the other guys, like I, I think there's still question marks with Wiese. Uh, you know his health, his size, uh, you know his overall production, uh, game to game. You know his energy level, things like that. That they're just they're you know these NHL teams just don't know with him, and so he's probably going to be in a situation where my guess is he gets an ATO and he needs to go prove himself.
1: And uh, if he has that opportunity, uh, hopefully it's a good situation for him and things go well uh, because. We would love to see him have a uh, success. So we'll just do the real quick here: the stay or go. Uh, we know Kuharski is going after Jason set me up. So thanks a lot, uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for that, Jason. Um, Kirby Proctor, stay or go?
0: I think I think Proctor stays. I think he's got a he's got a better opportunity at Omaha than he will
1: anywhere else. I completely agree with that. Uh, He had one goal, seven assists this season. Um, Nolan Sullivan, the captain, stay or go? I know the coaching staff would like to have him back.
0: It would be great to have that experience back on the roster. Um, Yeah, I don't know. The the injury really kind of throws it into question for me. What do you think?
1: Um, I think he's going to stay. That's, that's okay. just my, my prediction at this point had six goals and nine assists this season. Jack Randall, who we were talking about earlier has 18 goals and 16 assists this season, a, a career year at the collegiate uh, at the collegiate level for him uh, transfer from uh, Michigan. Do you think he's going to stay or go Jason?
0: I'll say stay with him because I think his best opportunity is to come back to UNO and prove that he can do this all again, have a similar season, uh, similar success, you know, um, you know being a leadership role, bring some of these younger guys, these, these sophomores, the freshmen this year um, along. I think that would be a good development thing for him
1: seven penalties uh, for 22 minutes this season, four game-winning goals. Uh, I think he'll come back too, but uh, it would not surprise me at all uh, if we find out he uh, decides to go pro. Jacob Zab, does Zab stay or does he go? Because I think he can come back for one more year. Does he stay as that third-string goaltender or does he move on to something else in life?
0: I, If the team wants him back, I think he'd come back. I mean, he, like, realistically, it would be a shock to have anyone say that they're interested in him. He hadn't, can't even say he played a game. He played minutes. I mean, right now, our plan is Likosi coming back, and we don't have anything else. And so I think the question is, is, uh, is the staff bringing in one goaltender? We, we know we've got one in the pipeline, or are they bringing in two? And some of that may be determined by what ends up later this month in the transfer portal. Uh, you know, and, and honestly, the, I think the same to be say, said for Sullivan and Randall, you look at what's coming in for UNO for, for players that are, are going to be their freshman year this fall. And you look at who's in the transfer portal and you say, is Omaha going to have a spot for me? Or am I coming back just to, have an injury year and and be a locker room guy. Like no one really wants to do that. So I think the real clarity in this is going to come when we see what's out there in the transfer portal and who the coaching staff goes after.
1: You kind of jumped the gun on me here, uh, uh, Jason, because I was just getting to that. And certainly guys like Sullivan, Randall, They could decide to go uh, try their fortunes at another school. uh, If UNO is bringing in a lot of young talent and they don't know if they're going to get as much playing time, that will be interesting to see. Some other guys on the roster, uh, Cam Mitchell, uh, one of our freshmen forward, he played in 14 games. He had no goals and he had an assist. And then Michael Abgrall, another guy uh, who was a forward this season, freshman this season, um, played in 15 games, had no goals, no assists it's a really interesting question because as we know, there are some guys down roster who didn't get a lot of playing time that we don't see then going forward. And uh, with UNO constantly recruiting players, there's a lot of guys on the recruiting lists out there right now. It does make you wonder any thoughts on uh, Mitchell or Abgrill coming back next season, or do you think they might go uh, try their fortune somewhere else?
0: Um, It's hard because a lot of that for us as, as commentators, uh, it's difficult because we don't know what that locker room's like. You know, do they have the do they have the guy that they've played all of juniors with, and they're now both at UNO, where it's like it's harder for me to leave because yeah, I got a friend here, and I don't want to leave my friend kind of thing. Um, to be honest, I'm more worried about Mueller leaving, um, just because you know, we could really, honestly, because we could really use him back really, really use him back. Um, I worry a little bit about Bolson leaving. Like, he's the type of guy that I don't know what Gabnett's plans for him are, but he's that type of player that has proven that he could do more. And the question might be, can he do that here, or is he better off doing that someplace else? Um, So he's one that I worry about, you know, maybe leaving early. Uh, either via transfer portal or, or something else. Mueller, I worry a little bit more about him, you know, just getting an opportunity uh, to make a go of it at the next level and saying, like, now's the time for me to take that.
1: Sometimes uh, these, this coaching staff brings some of the younger guys along slower and they'll find a way to uh, get them in the lineup as uh, some of the seniors depart. Uh, some of the other players depart in the transfer portal, et cetera. Uh, but some great talented recruits coming in next year, players like Tanner Ludkey, uh, who I've been following all season who plays for the Lincoln stars. Uh, hopefully Jason and I can come back before the season, to talk about some of the new guys that end up coming in. Cause uh, that's always an exciting thing for us to see what freshmen are coming in, what uh, players are coming out of the transfer portal. It's such an interesting world uh, with free agency coming to college athletics. Uh, you just never know what's going to happen and uh, what players are going to come in, what players are going to jump ship. But, uh, but it should be interesting. So, uh, So, yeah. It'll be fascinating to see what happens there. But until next time, follow Mavpuck on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find links to our social channels at mavpuck.com, as well as back episodes of uh, the podcast, which we encourage you to watch. We encourage you to listen to. We encourage you to like. And we encourage you to subscribe uh, to the platforms that we host those on because it really helps uh, the algorithm and uh, just helps keep Jason and I going. Jason and I just want to thank all of you for uh, tuning in this season. It's been a lot of fun. The season uh, didn't last for us as uh, long as we were hoping it would, but that's okay. We're going to be here regardless. Uh, There's lots of exciting things coming up for this program. Any parting thoughts, Jason? Go Mavs. Go Mavs!